0: I don't know about you, but sometimes as I look at the news or you know, you look online a little bit, you see some people who just wanna seem to spend time in prison. You know what I mean? Like the way they act, it's like, dude, your plan is to go to jail. Like that's just what you're aiming toward. Um, there are some people I've read about recently. There's this one guy who was hanging out with his friends, and he was messing around with some handcuffs, and he got the handcuffs stuck on himself, and only afterwards realized that they didn't have any key. And so He thought to himself, well, I've exhausted all the options I know, so might as well go down to the police station. Maybe they can help. And so that would have been a great idea if there weren't a warrant out for his arrest. (laughs) Earlier that year, he dove headfirst into a random windshield of a car. I don't know what was going on that day, but he got a warrant out for his arrest on that, and he had drugs in his pocket. And so he walks into the police station handcuffed with a warrant and drugs, and and the police officer said, for somebody to come in with handcuffs, a warrant, and drugs in 27 years, that's never happened before, and so people just want to go to jail, man, I'm telling you. Another guy, he took his trusty baseball bat and decided to go rob a store. Uh, You know, sounds like it may have worked out all right having a bat. He was a pretty big dude, but Problem was he decided to rob a gun store, and so he went into a gun store, and he smashed the first shelf. Now, the guns in the gun store aren't loaded, but probably, you got to think about this, somebody who works in a gun store probably likes guns a little bit, right? And so probably has their own gun, and that's probably loaded. And so sure enough, he bashed the first counter, and as soon as he did, the person working behind the counter took out his loaded gun, held it there, called the cops, and the dude got arrested. Uh, another one, over in England, over across the pond there, we had a friend there who had his driver's license revoked. And he thought he'd still go, you know, take a little joyride on his, on his moped. And so he's out there riding around. And somehow the cops, you know, realized, you know, something shady was going on. And so they started to approach him. And rather than just dealing with it the right way, he decided to turn into like a Hollywood high-speed chase. And so he turned around on his moped and he takes off. And he's swerving in and out of cars and going up on the sidewalk and all this. The problem was his moped topped out at 15 miles per hour. <laughs> And the four squad cars and the helicopter go a little faster than that. And so eventually he was caught and gave up. And then lastly for you tonight, I have the guy who thought it'd be a good idea to rob a real estate office that, you know, when I think of places to rob, that's not number one on my list, I have to be honest, but he thought it'd be a good idea, and so he kind of broke through a window, stole some laptops, he put them out front, and went back in to try to find some more stuff he could rob, went down in the basement, and he saw a bear skin mounted to a wall, and he thought, I must have this, and so he took the bear skin off the wall, and I don't get this part of the story, proceeded to fall asleep on top of it in the basement of the real estate office. And so the realtors get there the next morning, they see like their laptops out in front of the store on the sidewalk, a broken window, and they go downstairs and see a man sleeping on a bear skin in their basement. And so they call the cops, the cops show up. Uh, he is now known as the heavy-eyed bandit. And uh, one of the realtors said to the cops, you can't fix stupid, you can just arrest it. And so that's what we have there. But you know what, some people, they just seem like they want to go to prison. They want to spend time in jail. Now, this might sound weird to you, but the truth is, many of us, our plan for this year is to spend time in prison. Maybe not like these guys, but our plan is to continue to act in a certain way that's going to land us behind bars. And it's not the kind of bars that I've talked about so far here tonight. No, see, the prison bars that you and I plan on spending time behind are prison bars of unforgiveness. You see, if you and I go into 2015 and we have held a debt against someone, or we're saying that they owe us, they're saying that they've done something against us and we just can't let it go, then the truth is we will continue to spend our life behind bars. Now, you might be saying, Doug, I think you have it backwards. I think the truth is is that I'm holding, like, that person who wronged me behind bars, Doug. You got your illustration backwards. I mean, they're the ones who are stuck. They're the ones, man. I mean, they, they are stuck in the prison of my anger and, and my retaliation. And, and maybe it's ignoring or maybe it's right out just going after him and trying to pay him back. But, but your plan is, is that they stay there until somehow they pay you back or you feel satisfied or, or, you know, they've done enough rights to undo the wrongs that they've done to you. But the truth is is that you and I are the prisoners in this equation. That you and I, when we hold people against the debts they owe us, and and we say, okay, you owe me, you owe me, you owe me, then we really are the ones that are the prisoners. Uh, Theologian and Christian author Lewis Smead says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. And that's so true. You know, every single one of us, when we hold people kind of in those prisons and say, hey, here's the debt, this is what you owe me, We are the most confined by that. We are the ones most in chains in that equation. And the truth is, is many of us, if we're going to continue to kind of live how we are like right now, tonight, and just go through the rest of the year kind of on autopilot, then we're going to carry anger and unforgiveness with us continually into this year and kind of remain in that prison. I'm telling you, you and I are the ones more in prison. You know, the people who maybe I'm struggling with to forgive tonight, they're not thinking about me tonight, They may not even have an idea they did anything wrong to me, or if they do, they probably really don't care. But yet here I am consumed maybe with thoughts of, man, what they did and how hurt I am and how broken I am and how I can get them back or how I'm not going to talk to them anymore or I'm not going to look their way anymore. And, And truthfully, you and I are the ones that pay the price when it comes to our forgiveness issues. I want you guys, whoa, oh, there it goes. I want you guys to go ahead and grab uh, this picture under your seat. You guys all have a picture like this under your seat. I'm going to ask everybody to play along, come on. It's not a very far bend, <laughs> a little exercise, mid-service exercise there. All right, and so here, here you, we all have this picture, okay? And here's what I want you to do, all right? I want you to look at this picture. Nobody's looking at me. You're not looking at the people next to you. Look at the picture. And here's what I want you to think, okay? Keep looking at your picture. This picture represents... The person or the people that you haven't forgiven yet. Just keep looking at your picture. This picture represents the person that you are holding in prison or you think you're holding in prison anyway. Is the person that owes you some type of debt. Just think for a second, who do you see? Who do you see? Who, who is it for you? For some of you, it's one specific person. For some of you, it's many people. Like, I need a bigger paper, Doug. You got any extras? Yeah, I do. And you know what, as you look at these pieces of paper, this is the representation of that person kind of still in your prison cell. You guys can look back at me and just kind of hang on to this because as you you and I look at this, there's maybe all kinds of people that came to mind. You know, for some of us, it's it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, parent, child, spouse, ex-spouse, boss, ex-boss, friend, ex-friend, all kinds of people that maybe are represented by this piece of paper right here. And I think for some of us it's super obvious and it's kind of that, that over-the-top driving force in our life. For some of us, we looked at this piece of paper tonight and you're like, yeah, man, this person and me have such issues. You know, like, like this issue is the destroying factor of your life right now. It's destroying your family. It's destroying your peace. It's destroying your joy level. It's just really got you in a prison. And, and, and you know it's big and it's just this blaring offense. Maybe someone you deeply trusted betrayed you. Maybe someone physically or sexually or verbally abused you. Maybe someone you were once so close with, now you and and this person hate one another and can't stand to even be in the same room. So I don't know who it is or I don't know what they've done, but I would say that every single one of us probably has somebody or many people that this paper paper represents. You know, for me... um, I don't have like this huge betrayal in my life right now, but there are definitely people in my life that I have in a little prison maybe. Maybe that's some of you tonight. And maybe some of you kind of have to think and pray about this a little bit. Sometimes I think we don't even realize the people we have in our prison. You know, actually as I was preparing this message this week, I was just going back over it on Thursday and I remembered I had to write something on Facebook about the homeless ministry. And so I opened up Facebook and on the side, you know how once in a while there's just like those random people that pop up, you know, they're trying to connect you with these random people and the two people that popped up are two people that I really don't like. And they're not here tonight, okay? I'll just tell you that right now. And, and, and here they were, and I'm writing this message, but I didn't even think about the message. I just looked at them, and honestly, I just went, ugh. Like, I just saw the, the faces and the names. I just went, ugh. And, and I just kind of rolled my eyes, and I was like, it would be those two, you know? And then I was like, wow, I'm writing a message on forgiveness right now. And, and I, you know, I don't know. They were trying to get me to invite them to something, or like poke them, or something. And like, I'll poke them in the eyes. I mean, you know, like I don't really, I don't really care for these people that much, you know. And I, and I just, I just in that moment remember thinking like I didn't even realize I had them in a prison. I didn't realize I even had this issue anymore. I mean, this is like honestly, he's going back like for one of them about five years, another one about ten. I hadn't really thought about them lately, but as soon as I saw their names, I felt sick to my stomach. Because they'd done some things to me. And, and honestly, I'm sure there's two sides to every story. I'm sure they would say I'd, I maybe hurt them in some ways. But the truth is, is I wasn't okay with them. And there was something in my heart that I just wasn't aware of. And, and so I would guess that's some of you here tonight. And so who is it for you? Is it that big blaring over the top? Is it some maybe smaller prisons that you're trying to keep people trapped in? I, I tell you, this, this is the night. This is the year to make the decision to cancel their debt. And there's a lot of reasons why. First off, because of what I've already said, you and I stay in the prison when we don't. We're most captive when we won't cancel people's debts. But you know what another huge reason is? I mean, a lot of us in here call ourselves followers of Jesus. When we won't forgive, we look nothing like our Savior. That's just the reality. I would guess if you're here tonight and you'd say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and I love God and you were singing those songs passionately and you're you're excited about what God's doing in your life, I would guess that you would say, I really want to live for God. I don't get it right all the time. I mess up sometimes. I don't do everything right. But, but man, I really genuinely love God and I want to live for him. I'm just saying every single one of us, when we refuse to deal with this issue of our life, we don't look like our Savior. In fact, I, might, I would go out there and say we least look like our Savior when we hold a debt against somebody and we just simply won't cancel it. The last reason this is so important to talk about tonight. We're actually going to discover together as we work our way through a story. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you know what it is to struggle with unforgiveness. You know what it is because you're human. We all struggle with that, right? And so maybe you've never heard a compelling reason why you should forgive. Maybe you're just saying to yourself, great, I'm in church. Of course they're telling me I should do the right thing and do the good thing. But maybe you've never heard why. Why is it so important? What is a compelling reason to convince you or I to let somebody off the hook, to cancel their debt, to say I forgive you, to say it's over, to say I'm not going to hold you in that prison or myself in that prison Any longer. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to cancel that debt. Why? Why would you do that? I hope you'll hear tonight a compelling reason why and I hope you'll see some more as well. And so we're going to look tonight at a story that Jesus told his followers. And we're going to look at this and and hopefully find ourselves in this story a little bit. So in Matthew 18 verse 23, Jesus is telling his followers this story. He says this, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who want to settle accounts with his servants. So you got to imagine a wealthy king, right, and he's sitting on his wealthy throne, and and he's just doing what kings do, and all of a sudden one day it just dawns on him, you know what, I have some people out there that owe me. I have some people out there that owe me a lot, and I need to settle up. I need to get paid back because they owe me, right? And I think what so many of us do, I mean, if you're looking at the story for the first time, you're going, yeah, all right, cool, man, I'm the king. Right? I'm sitting I'm on the throne tonight and I'm thinking about those people that have wronged me. I'm thinking about the, the people right here on this piece of paper that have wronged me. And you know what? It's time to settle up. It's time, I like this Bible story. It sounds like I might get something out of this, right? Then he goes on in verse 24. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So here's this man that owes him this ridiculous debt. And what you need to know is... That 10,000, Jesus says he 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 is the highest numeral in the Greek. And the New Testament was originally written in the Greek. And so what Jesus is saying here is, imagine the greatest number there is in this day and in this era. This, this was Jesus trying to get through to his office. Imagine the greatest debt you could owe. That's this man. Here he is coming before. And you're thinking, that's right, man. I mean, I, I like this. I, th- I like, you know, thinking about being the king and, and the servants coming before me. The yeah, that's right. They are my servants. They hurt me. They wrong me. And they're going to come before me one day. I'm going to tell them all that they owe me. I'm going to tell them all that they did. And then Jesus goes on in verse 25. It says, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. I told you you were going to like this story. You're looking at that person that owes you and you're thinking, man, how can I sell their wife and kids, right? I mean, how can I get this? This is working out well for me. I like this. The Bible's got a little vindictive side here tonight. This is good. Then he goes on, verse 26, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debts and let him go. Like, no, that's not what I wanted to hear. I don't want to hear about forgiveness. I want to hear that the guy got paid what he was deserved or that he sold the wife and kids. That's a good ending. I like that. But the reality, guys, is is that we look at this story, we begin to realize something. We begin to realize that we're not the king, we're the indebted servant. Suddenly there's a quick shift in the room, isn't there? Like when we were the king, we thought, give me what I'm deserved. And when we're with a servant, we start to think, give me mercy. And the story that we see here is is God, this merciful king, sitting on his throne. And and you and I, the people that have sinned against him, 10,000 bags of gold worth. The most high imaginable debt you could find. And coming before him and him graciously forgiving you and I. And you know what? That grace should really cause us to want to be just like he was. Like the mercy that you and I have received, when, when you think about all the things you've done and when I think about all the things I've done, the grace that Jesus gives us should really cause us to go, okay, I wanna be like that now. I wanna live like this God that served me. And if you don't know the story, just let me fill you in. He didn't just forgive us our sin by snapping his fingers or you know, sending an angel. No, he, he forgave us our sins by putting himself on a cross and he was tortured and crucified and died in a horrific way. And that should inspire us. That should make us go, okay, I'm going to forgive like that. It cost him everything. I want to do what Jesus has done for me. And while that can be like the intention of our heart, I think we struggle with this, don't we? I think there are those people, like my buddies on Facebook or my non-buddies on Facebook, that I look at and go, man, I've been forgiven so much, but, but I still remember the pain of that. I still remember what they did to me. I still remember the hurt. Of that. And so we struggle. Look at verse 28. We see how we struggle. But when the servant went out, the servant, the one who was just forgiven, 10,000 bags of gold, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins. That's nothing compared to 10,000 bags of gold. He grabbed and began to choke him and said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. It's a picture of us, isn't it? It's like an ugly one, but it is a picture of us, Right? When we look at God and we go, God, thank you, and we come into church and we're all pumped up and we're singing about this amazing grace and, and the love that God's given us. And, and what did we just sing a few minutes ago? Man, I, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fall, but you never will, God. And we sing these songs of love and, and then we walk by, back out to real life. Or maybe we don't even walk out of the building yet, but we see someone across the aisle or in the cafe later and we turn around and walk the other way because of this issue in our heart toward them, right? And so we sometimes look just like this servant. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Isn't this just what the other servant just did to the king? Right? The other servant just did exactly this. Be patient with me and I'll pay it back. Verse 30, his heart unchanged, sometimes like ours, but, his re, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And this is what you and I have done time and time again, isn't it? I mean... In my life, 36 years, you know, many of them following Jesus. God's forgiven me of anger, jealousy, lust, sexual impurity in my single years, gossip, uh, jealousy, pride. I mean, all kinds of disgusting things. And you know what? Those people that came up on the side of my Facebook haven't done a fraction of that to me. And yet I still struggle and stumble to forgive. I still have an issue in my heart where I go, oh man, I really, I really don't want to let go of that. I really don't want to like those people. I don't even want to try to like those people. I don't want to let those things go that they've done. And I think that's a picture of you too, isn't it? And we stand before God who's loved us so much and, and yet we struggle to forgive. Verse 31, when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, and you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debts of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? I don't know about you. Isn't there a sense of justice that rises up in you as you read this story? Right? Don't you look at this story and go, what is wrong with you? Like you look at the servant, you go, you were just forgiven so much. What's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you forgive? Why would you hold back forgiveness after all that's been done for you? And you know what? With that sense of justice in our minds, we have to then look at ourselves and say, I got to say, Doug, what's wrong with you? You've been forgiven everything. You've been forgiven all those debts and all those wrongs and all the things you've ever done in your life and will ever do in your life. And you have this amazing Savior who loves you and gave himself for you. And you have a hard time letting something go that happened five or ten years ago. Doug, what's wrong with you? Why isn't what Jesus did for you changing you? Why isn't it making you respond like you should? I mean, if you and I were at home tonight watching this story on TV, right? Lifetime special, right? You're sitting there watching this story unfold, and there's the king and the servant and the whole deal, right? We'd all be yelling at the TV screen at this point, what's wrong with you? Forgive, forgive, what's wrong with you? You've been forgiven so much. And I think what we have to realize is the truth is is we're yelling at ourselves on the TV screen. Because we are so often that servant who just simply won't forgive. The story ends in kind of an intense way. Jesus says this, In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And he says this, This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now this verse might kind of confuse you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might kind of be thinking, see, this is what I thought it was all about. It's about working, right, and earning something from God. But I don't think that's what this verse is saying. You see, this verse isn't saying that God's like up in heaven right now going, okay, if they forgive, then they get in. But if they don't, they don't. No, what he's doing is he's watching the hearts of his genuine followers, and this is what he's knowing. If they're really mine, they're going to forgive. A follower of Jesus forgives because they've been forgiven. And so no, this isn't like an earn your salvation thing and I'm here to try to scare you into doing the right thing tonight. This is a, hey, wake up and realize who you are and what's been done for you thing. Because when you and I realize that, we will cancel debts. We will forgive. We will let these people out of prison and in doing so, let ourselves out of prison. And so tonight, I just wanna ask you a question. Whose debt do you need to cancel this year? 2015, new year, new start. Whose debt do you need to do away with this year? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it feels good right away. I'm not saying you won't ever struggle again with feelings of, man, I can't believe they did that to me. And I'm not saying you'll never have to ask God for strength to continue to walk down the road of forgiveness. But whose debt do you need to cancel this year? The Bible calls us to deal with it quickly. The Bible calls, with us, calls us to not deal with it slowly or, or lag behind or wait. Or, you no, know, the Bible calls us to deal with it. Now, I understand while I'm saying that, though, there are people in this room that need some help to get there. And so here's what I really want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you today to make a decision to cancel someone's debt. That doesn't mean you and them have to be all great by the end of the night splitting a, a Sunday at friendlies. Okay? But today's the day to cancel the debt. And you start to take some steps then. You know what that looks like? Maybe your step is, God, I need you to give me strength to forgive. God, help me forgive. Some of us have had that portion of our life like, kind of like off limits to God. It's like, God, all right, you can have like all this. But right here, no, no, this is my little unforgiveness part. And I'm not okay with dealing with that. And so stay away from that. And maybe tonight's just the night that you and I begin to say, all right, God, this is yours now. This is yours again. Like you can have it all, all that I am, every aspect of my heart and my life, God. I'm just giving this back to you. And would you give me strength to begin to take steps toward forgiveness? Maybe I'm not ready to have a sit down yet with so-and-so. Or maybe I'm not ready to make a phone call or write a letter or whatever, and say, you know what? I just wanna let you know I'm letting this go or I forgive you or all is well or I'm canceling this debt. Maybe you're not ready to do that, but, but you are ready now tonight to say, I gotta get serious about praying about this and asking God to give me strength because the truth is, I don't wanna stay in prison anymore and I wanna look like my savior and I've been forgiven so much. I've got to forgive others. How can I ask someone to owe me when I don't owe anything myself? How can I not forgive when I've been forgiven? And so maybe your step is just simply to pray and ask God to give you the strength that you need. Maybe the step for you is to begin to talk to somebody that can help you work through some of the unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe you talk to a community group leader, your community group leader, or a friend, or a pastor, or a counselor, and you say, hey, this is what's happened in my life, and this is what happened 10 years ago. This is what happened 20 years ago. This is what happened this year, and I just need somebody to talk through it because I'm done carrying it around with me, and I need to cancel this debt, but I really need some help getting there. I need some help processing this and kind of framing it and seeing it for what it is and asking God to bring healing to my heart. And so today's the day to cancel the debt. Today's the day to begin to take steps toward that and make a commitment maybe to talk with someone and ask God by the Holy Spirit to bring the healing you need. But then there's some of you, you're just ready, man. You're just putting it off for maybe no reason at all. And today's the day, I mean, Scripture tells us that we should actually, if we were going to bring an offering, right, during the worship service, and we realize there's a problem between us and somebody else, we should leave the offering and go deal with that. You know, and so maybe some of you, like, even before we sing the last song, you guys need to just head out into the lobby and grab your phone and call your mom. Call your dad. Call, call your child. Call your spouse. Call a friend. I mean, just, just deal with it. Let God deal with it. Right here and right now, because this is the year to cancel someone's debt. I just want you to think about this, because this is so key in this. I don't think there's such a thing as an emotion of forgiveness. And I think sometimes we wait for that, you know. It's like, okay, Doug, I hear what you're saying. I really want to do what God wants me to do, but I got to wait for that emotion to hit me, right? That like feeling of forgiveness, you know, like you see on TV, you know, and everything works out and everybody's happy and they all holler and at the end Full House and they play the music at the end there, you know what I'm talking about? I don't think that's real. You know, when I go home tonight and, or, you know, I call somebody that I got to ask forgiveness of, like you don't hear the Full House music at the end. You know what I mean? I don't think there's an emotion of forgiveness. I think we make a choice, and that's exactly what our Savior did. I mean, the night before he was put on the cross or the night before he was betrayed, he, right, he's in the garden, and he's sweating drops of blood, and he's broken, and he asks God if there's any other way to save mankind. I don't think he was feeling an emotion of forgiveness in that moment. He's full of love. He is love, and love drives forgiveness. But if we're sitting there waiting for this emotion, I don't really know that ever happens. I think what we do is we say, okay, you've forgiven me and I want to be like you and I want to look like you and I want to impact others. And so I will choose to cancel the debt. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. He didn't feel like getting on a cross, but he chose to, to cancel our debt. And so you and I need to take that step. We need to take this real seriously and get ourselves free get ourselves to that place where we're surrendering these debts to God and we're trusting him with the outcome. Some of you guys might be saying, but Doug, do I forgive every debt? I mean, do I forgive the bad ones? Like the really, really bad ones. Like the ones, like if I came and told you my story, Doug, you'd shake your head in disbelief the whole time. Do I forgive that one? Yeah, you forgive that one. You forgive that one because God forgave that for you. Your greatest debt, your biggest debt, all your debts combined. He canceled every single one. Some of you guys might say, all right, well, if I do forgive Doug, do I like just embrace this person again? I mean, my opening myself back up just to to feel the same pain I felt before and the same betrayal I felt before? Like, is that what you're asking me to do here? Well, I think you got to be really wise on that. I think you need God to really lead you on that. You know, I mean, if we're talking sexual abuse or physical abuse, I would say 99% of the time, you don't open your life back up up to that unless God like really clearly shows you to be open to a friendship or if it's a parent or something, some kind of a relationship with them. But I think we really carefully look at those and you can forgive without opening up doors that are going to lead to more abuse. You can cancel deaths without opening up doors so that it happens again. And so that takes a lot of wisdom, and I'm not up here trying to like just paint this broad stroke and say this, everybody's story is like one size fits all. I know it's not, but I do know that no matter what's been done to us, that we have to cancel these debts because we set ourselves free from these prisons. We look like our Savior, and because this is exactly what God has done for us. I don't know if you guys have debt. (laughs) Like some of us in the room have mortgages, some of us in the room have car payments some of us in the room have college loans, right? Some of us have credit card debt. Can you just imagine like you got a letter tomorrow that it had just been wiped away, you know, it had just been done. I can't do that for you because I'm not Oprah, but just imagine if that happened and you were just floored and you were amazed and the weight that would be lifted. Here's what I want to tell you. First of all, that's exactly what God's done for every one of us, but even more than that, the freedom you would ultimately feel if your mortgage, your car loan, your college pay payments were canceled is just a picture of what ultimately you will experience and feel when you cancel someone else's debt. The weight that will be lifted off you. Like I said earlier, it doesn't mean you're not gonna still wake up one day and go, God, I really gotta pray about this again because quite honestly, what happened to me is coming back, it's creeping back a little bit. I need your help to continue to heal from this. I'm not saying that day won't ever happen. But ultimately, you will free yourself from the constant weight of unforgiveness. And that's a powerful thing. I want to show you guys a picture tonight. This is a picture of Matthew and Eric. Matthew is the one on the right, and Eric is the one on the left. And Eric was a youth pastor, still is actually, and he was just about to become a dad for the second time. He had a 19-month-old at this time. And he woke one morning to a phone call saying that his wife and his unborn child were in a car accident and both died immediately because the guy on the right side of the screen, Matthew, who was a fireman, was on a 24-hour shift and wasn't drinking or doing anything wrong but just fell asleep at the wheel and plowed right into them, instantly killing them both. And so here's Eric, and he's been a youth pastor, and he's been telling kids for years about the grace of Jesus, and he's been telling kids for years that Their debts have been canceled and that they have to forgive. And he knew that in that moment, God was saying, this is an opportunity to practice what you preach. And instead of keeping Matthew completely indebted to him, he forgave. He canceled debts. He pleaded with the judge for leniency. He befriended Matthew. The two of them Share their story, and and Eric gets to talk about what it means to forgive, and Matthew gets to talk about what it means to be forgiven. And Eric said, This you've forgiven, or you forgive as you've been forgiven. It wasn't an option. You've been forgiven, then you need to extend that forgiveness. I'm telling you, Eric made a choice. He didn't wake up one day and go, I just really feel like forgiving this guy. I really feel after I've lost my wife and my unborn child and I'm a single dad now with a 19-month-old, I really feel like just letting this guy's debt go. No, he made a choice to look like his savior, to do what kind of sounded crazy but would ultimately would free him and would free this man and give great hope to not just him but to us tonight and how many thousands more that have heard this story. See, that's the thing, is when you and I forgive We set ourselves free. We set the person free. But we become this example. We look like our Savior and lives are impacted by that. And so whose debt do you need to cancel this year? What do you need to do? What step do you need to take? Is it simply to pray? And ask God to have access to that area of your life and begin to bring the healing and the mercy that you need to forgive. Is it to start to talk to somebody and begin to heal. Whereas tonight, the night, man, you pick up your cell phone and you swallow your pride and you call that person up and you cancel their debt. You get home tonight and you write out a letter and you place that thing in the mailbox tomorrow. You type out an email. And man, just imagine, just imagine both you and that person being set free I want you to take your picture tonight. And as you walk out at the end of our service, what I want you to do, if you want to do it, and I think it's important, if you're here tonight going, okay, this is who I need to forgive, and I'm, I'm making a choice, I'm going to cancel. And it might seem like, oh, what's the big deal, Doug? Why would you have me do this? I think that there is some power in saying, all right, I'm going to make a physical representation of the fact that this debt is canceled. And so what I encourage you to do is take this with you on your way out. Right underneath the cross in the back of the room, there's a garbage can. And as you walk out, whenever that is tonight, you can be here in the prayer time. You can be the last person in the building if you want. But as you walk out, I would encourage you to just tear this right in half, canceling the debt, making a choice. Maybe your heart is not like, well, I'm free, and this new emotional thing happens in that moment. But you're making a choice to become free. But take a step toward being free to look like your Savior and to forgive because you've been forgiven. Throw it in that garbage on the way out as a first step. And so, Father of Jesus, you got some praying to do, don't you? I know I do. Some people I got to just get real with and I got to let off that hook and cancel their debt. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope tonight you're inspired to forgive. That would be great if a relationship in your life was restored. But so much more than that, I want you to know that you're forgiven. I want you to see yourself as that servant in the story, just like I am. The servant who owed 10,000 bags of gold that I could never repay. And my sin completely ruled me out from a relationship with God. And yet he came and put himself on a cross in my place in your place to forgive us. So we could go free. He canceled our debt. That would be the most amazing thing you could walk out here with tonight. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, in just a minute, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond and pray if you'd like to. Just pray, excuse me, pray quietly between you and God. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I just hope tonight you'll respond. You'll respond to what's been done for you and you'll let that motivate and drive you to do what God's done for you. So who Whose debt do you need to cancel this year? Let's pray. God, we just come before you thankful that you've canceled our debt. That our debts do not in any way, shape, or form stand between us and you, God. That you have removed them, that the cross destroyed our debt. Thank you, God, that you don't bring up our past mistakes, you don't shove them in our face, you don't remind us, but you've removed them from us. God, I just pray for each Christian in this room tonight, each one of us that says, I love Jesus and I want my life to look like his, that God, you would help us, Lord. And you would just completely and totally empower us to forgive and cancel the debts of those that we struggle to love and we struggle to forgive. So help God. So if you're a Christian, would you pray about your next step? Is it just simply to open your heart up right now to God and to pray? Is it to begin to talk to somebody and begin to heal? Is it to call somebody tonight, to email somebody tonight, or, or to just simply let people off that hook in your life tonight? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity to Put your trust in Jesus and and a great way to start a conversation in this relationship with God is just to pray something like this. You can pray quietly between you and him. Jesus, thank you for canceling my debt. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for being the master in that story, God, who looks at me, who owes 10,000 bags of gold I can never repay, and you forgive me. So I thank you so much, God. God, thank you for this gift of salvation that I could never earn. And I thank you that this gift of salvation leads me to heaven and leads me now and now to more and more joy and peace and life in you. So show me how real you are, God.